On tonight's episode of the Superhero Show Show, we'll find out if this really is the last time the S.H.I.E.L.D. team will be together, if the Stargirl finale is the last time we'll use the term stick the landing, and if Fitz will at least show up in the Stargirl finale. All of that and more on the Superhero Show Show. What's up, nerds? Welcome to the Superhero Show Show, the only show on the internet where we review every live-action television show based on a comic book or also a comic book property. My name is Cassie, and I will be the host of this show, and I'm here to try to lead us and guide us through all of this current comic book TV that we have. And your girl can't do this alone, so I've brought some friends out to help me. Here with me as always, and here, screaming as always, is Ryan. Okay, I will... Look, this is definitely an episode for screaming, Cassie, like... This is is this is this the biggest episode of show show that we've ever done before? Yes, it is. Like, and I'm so glad you brought that up because it is 100. percent We are trying to tackle two main events, and then also because of your screaming last week, we do have bullshit. So, like, this is unheard of. This is some new territory. I totally forgot until just now how much uh, I think you and Mike threw a tantrum, and I just sat and watched about how there was no bullshit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you were so calm about it. You were like, "I love this. This is totally on brand. This is fine." But speaking of Mike, can you can you agree that Ryan was very cool about that? He was so cool. You and me, we were like slurring about why don't we do bullshit more? That's what yeah. everybody loves. They love the bullshit. They don't want to hear us talk about these shows in depth. And Ryan was just like, hmm, quiet, and would put on his monocle. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't even light up the pipe. Like He was so dignified that he just set the pipe by him but didn't light it. Yeah, he would just point with it to make a point. Oh, God, it, just, it was so devastating, too. But, like, speaking of this big episode, I do want to know, since this is the biggest one we've done so far, like, this is going to be a historic episode. I just want to know, like, how did you guys prepare this morning to be ready for this show? It was hard. I, usually I cram just before we record. Um, but I was so excited for all this stuff and so sad for it all that, like, I, it feels like I watched the Stargirl finale two and a half weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, just because I wanted to know what happened. And... Shield was something else though. Like watching these two episodes of Shield, um, I don't know. Like it took me, you know, I like paced around my room for a little bit. I was like, "Are we sure? Are we ready to hit play? Like this is this is it? This is fucking it?" And uh, if I wasn't sure that it was it, they would remind me throughout the entire course of the show. It was hard. Uh, it was a special. I mean, normally, I watch these early in the morning under a blanket uh, while my wife's asleep, so she can't make fun of me. Mm-hmm. But I was like, "No, I need full brain power. I'm watching this. I'm taking a night," and made her leave the room. Because oh, I reminded her that in the Arrow it, during series, quarantine, in the Arrow series finale, she asked a mocking question about what was going on, and tears in my eyes, I yelled at her. <laughs> so I was like, "For both of our sakes, don't do that. Just stay away." See, I'm so glad you've learned what needs to happen. Like you knew this was too important, and you had to have. Like I liked loving her, and I like her being sexually attracted to me. So she just should not see any of what's going to happen because these superhero shows are ending. But yeah, like, did you guys like for the show? Like, do you think these emotions are going to come back up? Like, did you drink extra water, or did you go like? Are you doing like coffee? A combo yep, straight of it coffee, all? diuretic, so I don't cry. Hell yeah. Can't cry if you're not hydrated. 
that's so right. That's what and personally, like I had like I went for you know the breakfast of champion Wheaties, obviously, but to prepare for like this whole episode, I, instead of milk, I decided to use just margarita to really switch it up. So I'm bringing that fucking energy today, you guys. I'm well, also. I mean, this is this is the how Mike and I have spent the last seven years of our life, I believe. Uh, whereas Cassie, you come in and you're like, I've barely heard of this show. What's it called? Agents of Sword. I guess I'll watch it. And so, I think margaritas are necessary in order to get through some of this shit. Like some of it uh, was bad, and so well, I mean, we'll get to that later. But like some of it, like you should probably have some tequila. Gotta save it for the main event. It also, I was just trying to piece it all together. But we are yeah. It's it's when you go to a wedding of somebody you sort of know, and you're like, I get that yeah. this moment is big for them. Mm-hmm. I think they're kind of dumb assholes, so I'm just gonna drink a bunch so I don't like show that on my face. Just the play. thing I always think about is uh, at like graduation or like grad night parties, they'll show uh, these clips of like pictures and videos of you know you and your high school class together for four years, and it's so emotional. And then imagine watching that for somebody else's high school. It's like I don't fucking. <laughs> I don't know any of these people. Who gives a shit? I hear the music. I hear Green Day playing, but I don't give a shit about any of this. Yeah, Ryan, you got to stop going to high school grad nights. No, you got to stop. <laughs> I'm so no, glad I love you that magician. <laughs> so I'm, not, I'm not even trying to like be the magician. I'm just there as a fan of the magician. <laughs> You're just a roadie for the guy. You love love all his card tricks. Uh, but you guys, it didn't. It is a big episode, so we just got to go right to it, because we are covering two main events, two big finales, and also giving away some awards. And coming up first, we are going to be talking about the Agents series finale. In the final episodes of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Gemma forgets everything after Sybil dis- dissolves her memory blocking implant and S.H.I.E.L.D. takes the fight to the Chromicon mothership. Meanwhile, Fitz shows back up and tries to tell everyone what sci-fi wildness they need to do to get back to their own reality. Taste buds, I ask you this. Most finales are full-length goodbyes, but this split the classic S.H.I.E.L.D. adventure section over two eps, leaving the goodbye toward the very, very end. Should more shows try to keep their normal tone on the way out, or was the emotional heft left light due to all the shenanigans that still had to be accomplished? Yeah, I mean, a lot of times when you save an entire episode for the goodbyes, you realize, and not in the moment, you realize years later, the audience realizes in the moment that you didn't have enough there, and so there's a ton of standing around and doing nothing, and it totally ruins the emotional heft. Here we have uh, the adventure, the final adventure, basically the end of the season and the end of like the last two seasons, because of all the fit stuff, taking place over, let's say, I don't know, an hour and a half or almost two hours yeah and then we have the final scene which is i i think we could spend the entire segment talking about that if we wanted to you know and that's 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 enough that that's what we got and that's what we needed yeah i went back at first i was bummed that it wasn't more goodbyes but then that final scene i was like i don't want a whole episode of this so fuck no so yeah it was so often finales fail the show because they do just throw the tone out the water because they're like we're all saying goodbye to each other it's it's like our last hurrah but the reason people like your show is your tone right. uh and, and it's shield kept it it was a zippy dumbass sci-fi adventure some of it really really worked some of it was crazy and stupid uh and it was shield baby that is shield 
So why don't we save the the final scene for later and just talk about the zippiness of the balls on this show. Um, to this is our last shot. This is everything that we have. I want to start with. All right, we're about to die from the Chromacons. Let's create a laser. And I don't know. Maybe maybe talking shit on it right away seems crazy to the show that I love. Like I really truly. <laughs> You're coming I, up bold right now. I'm I'm so glad. And after like a really rocky start where we were all like, oh, this is clearly the worst part of the MCU by far. Having no idea that Netflix MCU was on its way. Um, the only way to defeat robots and maybe even save America and the world and maybe even in today's America, save America is to shoot everyone with an empathy gun. So yeah. they learn, they instantly learn empathy. And then when you're like f- friends and the evil robots are like, or aliens or whatever they are, like, yeah, friends, drop guns immediately. Yeah. Motherfucking shield, you've done it again. <laughs> what, what I like is that, I don't know if I tuned out, but it felt like they only said that once right before they shot the empathy laser. It's not like the whole episode they knew. Because if they if they give them a whole episode to build it and make that plan, I would have been like, no. And it's also Korra, who is now become a big deal, even though she's been in three episodes of the show ever, her powers were so malleable in these two episodes. So she could normally, I thought she just shot like fire lava, but now she is amplifying the empathy gun to hit everybody across the world. She's healing people at different times. Like they really just gave them a God character to be like, we need to end the show. So that's her power. It's like inside of her is the star girl staff and uh, whatever yeah. you need it to do, it's, it'll just do right now. And it's even though it ended like their adventure, they didn't hang a lantern on empathy. Like it even moved on quickly after that. So it's like, okay, that's fine. Sci-fi is dumb sometimes. Let's move on. Uh, And I appreciate them trying to be like, shouldn't we talk to the current, current administration, the current issues of the world? And isn't that what we all need? Cassie, (laughs) like what did you, what, what did you think when you saw an empathy laser hit a bunch of evil robots? It was, it was a lot. It definitely like, I, I had to like, because in my mind, you know, I had it taken as, like, more of a serious show. I don't know why from, like, leading up to that, I was like, oh, this is, like, a for real show. And then in that moment, I had to realize, like, switch it over to that sci-fi brain. Because even the actors, like, the way they just, like, all just, like, stood up at the light, like, in, like, all kind of a delayed manner and everything. I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. That's the show. So, like, it's I just weird. accept that. It's weird if you look at the history of this uh, podcast and, therefore, the history of superhero TV because... We are nothing but chroniclers of superhero TV and comic book property TV, whatever the fuck Cassie says at the beginning of the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, That's it. We seem to we seem to really like uh, Legends and Winona, or Legion and Watchmen, mm-hmm. right? right? Those are the tones. And if you if you're in the middle, that means that you're sort of failing at both. And I would say that throughout the whole time, Agents has been the one that eventually it, it may have took taken like two seasons or so is the one that struck that tone in the middle of there's some dramatic moments and character and relationships are super important. And sometimes there's a lot of talking about plot and shit that I do not care about and choose not to understand, but always knew that like we're here to crack jokes and we're here to do crazy shit. Right. Yeah. The, the joke cracking, even though they all know it's their last mission together. Colson is still saying Krona bomb while everybody rolls their eyes at him. Uh-huh. Like in uh-huh. the, uh, 
in other like shows, it would be the big over melodramatic moment uh, when Seuss is saying he's going to stay in the other time, and Deke makes a giant fart sound in the middle oh, of like, the God. most dramatic scene, and thumbs down, and be like, "I'm staying. Fuck you." I uh, thought I straight up thought my TV broke. I like <laughs> it's so the fart noise he makes while Seuss is talking is so loud and obtrusive. I thought my my surround sound system uh, just like hit the fritz. It to undercut like that kind of sci-fi melodrama. And give it to the jokester and still have him because he, he's been in love with Daisy and he's like, I just want you to be happy. And I'm a rock god here, so why would I leave? Like, like So to give him to undercut the bullshit and then give him that actual self-sacrifice line, it, they do that tone splitting really well. Yeah, definitely. Do you guys feel like it seemed like it wrapped up like almost all story points? Like, Were you guys satisfied on just like storyline wrap up itself? I am, yeah. With a, with a show like S.H.I.E.L.D., I want... This has been the case for every single season and really for any show like S.H.I.E.L.D., you know, like uh, the other granddaddy Arrow. Um, I want the bad guy to be introduced and I want to be scared. And then at a certain point, I don't care and the show doesn't care. And it's just all about the character moments. Just get them the fuck. Like, they've served their time. And Sybil, like, and Malik, they were so scary at some point, allegedly. And then they just went away and, like, thank you. I Yeah, I do say I liked Sybil more than Malik because she was less annoying, and she lived for drama. Like, Mm -hmm. there was infighting, and they looked like they were losing, and she would just be smiling because different humans were screaming at each other. Like, she is a drama-loving bitch. Malik is just a... I really hated Malik. What I liked what the show did with him is in the final battle with him and Daisy, he was like, I studied your past, everybody who you've ever fought. And, like, she rolled her eyes. She's like, and you still think you're important to me then? And that was the show being like... We know he's not the best bad guy we've had. We'll move on quickly. <laughs> well, Sybil is super important in Marvel in general, right? Like, this is why Captain America and Iron Man got so mad at each other. Because of the Civil War? Isn't this what yeah, they were the arguing Civil about? Yeah, their, their sibling rivalry. He gets and... me every time. I think he's making a valid point, And then it's something like this. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> I was like, what comic history do I not know? I know. <laughs> but, I, like, as cheesy as the empathy one, Sybil has an all-timer here, folks, uh, for for those who didn't watch it, Sybil knows the future, the past, and the present, and she can like give uh, percentage chances of what's going to happen. And she like ba- basically looks in the camera and says, "Those shield agents defeat the odds every time." <laughs> she oh says, my no God. matter the percentages, these people always beat the odds. <laughs> That's fucking insane. <laughs> that a character in a show in 2020 said that and then line. Winked. <laughs> Do you guys, we did get Fitz, though. And I want to know, was Fitz coming back, like, was it worth the whole build-up? Is it, like, did they do Fitz justice? And was it worth waiting this long? I'm, I'm glad they let him go off and make his, like, three other projects and still fit him in the end. It would be a bummer if he didn't come back. Fitz what, what him I, what into I, the end. What, what I liked him is it really, because he was not here the last season, we, like, I still think of him as, like, the dorky scientist, like, comic relief, but he hasn't been that in years and when he came back and he's like, here's exactly what's going on here. Just fucking listen to me. I was like, oh, yeah, this guy probably grew more than anybody else as he's telling everybody who's been in charge of him exactly what to do to stay alive. Uh, I like badass fits. Uh, grew into a prick. Like, yeah. Oh, he's a dickhead. Everybody was like, oh, my God, Fitz is back. I'm sitting there thinking, oh, my God, Fitz is back. And he's like, oh, yeah, cool, cool, cool to be back. Uh, get over there. We have to do this. I don't have time to explain. You guys are fucking morons. Here's what we have to do. It was like, Fitz, can we get like. Uh, is there a little more hug time that we can have here? What I like is they were all mad at him. 
they should have been hugging him. And instantly they're like, what the hell, man? What the hell did you make us go through here? And he's like, we, 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 we thought you would do it. You didn't do it. Where the hell is Cora? You had to get her. And she's like, well, we didn't have a plan. Um, oh, Gemma doesn't, re- Gemma doesn't remember me. Oh, that's real sad. I don't give a shit. We have to go and do this. Fitz, yeah. come on, dude. The world is ending. Yeah. What did you think of science now? Like, <laughs> she could barely talk, couldn't remember anything, but she, she remembered the science of it all. I, I, it's weird that, and this is not just a shield thing. This is like all TV. If you lose a couple of memories, your IQ also goes down like a hundred <laughs> points. Like she was like, I don't remember if, uh, who Fitz is. And then like, she'd get up to a door and she's like, what is this giant piece of wood? What, what, what do then, I do here? But then she put together that whole weapon, you know, she was just yeah. instinct at that point, just putting that all together. And I do want to know, like, how'd you guys feel about like her whole scene? Cause like, sh- I thought she did great in the episode, but I don't have like all this like build up to her, you know? Yeah, I feel like that, that actress is a secret weapon of this show. Elizabeth yeah. Henstridge says so much sci-fi, timey-wimey bullshit and makes it sound natural in a way other people can't. And no, I don't think anybody else on this show, even though I love most of them, could have done that and made it not Matt? totally eye-roll-inducing. Matt could not. No, 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 no. What? No, 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 no. Uh, what I wanted is all the other S.H.I.E.L.D. agents in the 80s, they had never met them. They were just looking for anybody to tell them what to do, which makes sense. All the S.H.I.E.L.D. bases got blown up, so like, we don't know you, but you seem confident. But they did let this woman who is confused by everything just take over. I wanted somebody in the background to be like, what the fuck is going on? Like, are we? Do we really want to trust her? <laughs> well, before that, um, Garrett says, you know what? I'm a good guy now, uh, and I'm going to help. Garrett, right? That's yeah. Paxton John Jr.? Garrett, yeah. And so he gets everybody out of the, the crumbling lighthouse and a shield agent, uh, like they get into this room and there's all these shield agents and Garrett goes for his gun. A shield agent like shoots him in the head immediately. He's dead now. Yeah. We never get to see if he like became a full good guy or not. And they're like, well, here's what happened. Here's the situation. And they're like, oh, well, you should have just come through the door. Otherwise, we wouldn't have shot. We wouldn't have murdered that person directly in the face. And then they move on immediately. Yeah. Like, oh, May shield like, does fine. not have Miranda rights. Yeah, May is just like it doesn't matter. That guy sucks. Like we yeah, can move it was, on. It was it that was big of a deal. So much more savage than that because she was like, "You may be feeling bad, but listen, that dude was a piece of shit." So let's move <laughs> on. I was like, "Okay, wow, damn." <laughs> Do not even look at his body and see if we can resuscitate him. It doesn't matter. <laughs> he was bad at one point, and now we're glad that he's dead. And you guys should all fucking feel super happy about yourself. <laughs> all right. Do you guys want to? Do you feel ready to talk about the end scene now, or is there any? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, don't want to push you I guys was, when you're ready, you know. If uh, I, th- if we could talk about the end scene and then I can just like motor off a billion moments of the week, then yeah, yeah let's get there. Sorry, All Mike, right. go ahead. Oh, I was going to say because I balled through like most of the last scene or the last episode of Arrow, I expected that here and I'm sorry, did, when you we do you mean B A W L bald or like B A L L E D? Were you breaking I balled angles? out, man? <laughs> Uh, I expected that here and it didn't and until when they, they were all awkward and then Yo-Yo's like well I should go that's when I was like that was the first pricks of dust like I think they captured high school's ending mm, for very sure very well there like everybody's still living their lives but we will never be what we were they they did yeah. and then I was like wait yeah I'm not gonna be that sad when I leave my coworkers for the last time so <laughs> I get that some people are like I gotta go hang out with my kid now I'm is- forced to leave all my coworkers like once a year so uh, <laughs> I'm used to it but high, I think high school is a really apt example because your senior year of high school, 90% of your friends are running around having fun. And then there's always that one person in the group who's like, guys, this is the last time we'll ever be together. 
And everyone else is like, first of all, shut the fuck up. That's so weird. And second of all, no, it's not. But it is. That person right. was right the entire time. Because even if you do meet up, you're not – how you grew together changed you. And then you're all going to continue to change and do more important things than hang out. Right. We have – like, this is cool, but then the life that we grew out – like from what we had is now calling me away. And that's what happened. Every single person got called away by their new life one year later. Did one, did you guys think it was bullshit? Nobody died. Cause it really seemed like Daisy was. And two, are you satisfied with all of their futures? I think what I think is bullshit is that they left Daisy dead for 30 seconds. She, she died in like 15 seconds tops comic book show. That's as much as I can deal with. To leave her dead for almost half a minute. How ballsy was that? <laughs> Stupid idiots. They did have that. And then like, um, oh, I'm just blanking on his name, but the guy who stayed in the other timeline. Uh, Deke. Deke, yeah. So like that was the closest thing to a death we got. And they kind of just like brushed off him. You know, they're like, oh, he's probably doing good in that timeline. Like that was, <laughs> that was kind of crazy. Mean- what it was is just that, like, Deke was decided to not be OG enough, you know? Like, Yo-Yo is newish, but Yo-Yo is more a part of the team. So when they have that final sit-around, it would I think they thought it would have been weird if Deke was there. Mm. Um, so, yeah, they left him there. And also, that is Deke's happy ending. Like, he's not going to get with Daisy. Uh, he is now a... I mean, that, like, this is some Buckaroo, Buckaroo Banzai shit. He is now a rock star leader of S.H.I.E.L.D., and that's yeah. where Deke belongs. Yeah. I want to watch that show where it's basically the Shield meets the Office, as the Shield in the '80s slowly realizes what an idiot Deke is. Well, <laughs> the internet was all a buzz about uh, the one of the final scenes. Would you rather watch Deke in the '80s or Agents of Sword? Which Deke is, in the '80s? <laughs> okay, which is clearly what uh, they were alluding to with Daisy and Souza in space. Right. Yeah. And I love those two, and Cora was there too. Uh, but I think for everything I want out of these kinds of shows, Deke in the '80s is my jam. <laughs> Was there any, like, which goodbye stood out to you guys the most? Uh, Coulson and Daisy. Yeah, yeah, so everybody leaves one by one. You realize they are not in the room. They, they're all hologrammed. Uh, and Coulson and Daisy was the heart of the show. When, once the show started motoring, uh, it was not just that it stopped being uh, connected to the movies. It was they figured out that it's this father-daughter thing going on. And so those two saying goodbye to each other and realizing how much they've grown and all that hit hit really hard. Honestly, it was similar to Michael Scott's last episode, where you realize that the whole show has actually been about Michael and Pam, not Jim and Pam. Uh, and you know, we knew that like Colson and Daisy were the heart of the show, but it was imperative in these last two episodes to like really staple that down and make sure that they had one moment together over anybody else. Yeah, and yeah, he said something like, uh, "You never know what happens when you believe in someone," or like. Yeah. That yeah. yeah. Mike definitely cried. Oh yeah. <laughs> he just I've knows. never been believed in. <laughs> they know how to hit you. So I mean you guys and, Yeah, Mike, what do you got? I was gonna say like I like all their futures like that. This is what we're doing. You're like, oh intrigued, but Colson's like, I'm just flying around the world. Like I guess he deserves that after dying seven times, but I was like, that's not intriguing. Like all of them do have what what could their next adventure be? But literally anything means I don't care. But it did give us the fact that both finales, both huge things that we're covering this week, ended with the Back to the Future finale of getting in your vehicle and flying right towards the camera. And that's Uh just the fucking coolest way to end something. (laughs) That's true. Always for that. 
All right, you guys, this is, I'm so sorry, this is all the time we have. Is there any last things you want to say to Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., about Agents uh, of S.H.I.E.L.D.? couple of things real quick. Um, them saying, you know, oh, uh, really, Coulson, you and what army? And then May crashing through the fucking sky roof and saying, the cavalry, and then yeah. destroying everybody. Uh, that was amazing. And then... Uh, I don't. There was one a scene that like caught me off guard, and it it took me a while to realize why. But when the Zephyr comes into the Marvel Death Star, it, like halfway through the first episode, that looked different to me than anything I've ever seen on this show, and it didn't look CGI. And I understand that they didn't use practical effects. I, I understand that they didn't make uh, an entire Zephyr and an entire Death Star, but it. I could not believe like how great it looked, and then for that to to watch them create this like super awesome computer set, and then tie a bunch of robots to destroy the set to a <laughs> missile. Uh, that was all. It was all fuck yeah. Yeah, I wish that we had more time for Mac and Sousa to team up because they were a good pairing, and them realizing each robot has a nuclear bomb in his chest, and then that that's how they're going to get out of there. That was fucking dope. Yeah. There, all right, you guys. We, we do have one more thing to cover, Cassie. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Um, a couple of weeks ago, we had a draft oh, about so, the final you. two episodes. Um, so last episode, I had Enoch on my team, and he appeared. Cassie, Piper showed up in this episode. What's up? And so you got a point. I love Piper. And Mike did not have Victoria Hand on his team, Hand. who showed up in this last episode, which means I got one point, Cassie got one point, and Mike comes in. Third place with zero points. No Grant Ward in either of these episodes. Dang. It hurts. I'm so sorry to add this extra pain to you on the end of this ending, but Mike, you know what? Keep your head up, kid. It's going to be all right. Just do remember I did put Ghost Rider and I beat you, and I put the Nick Cage Ghost Rider in case you want to feel better about that. <laughs> That's so. how Cassie wins. She does the dumbest thing. It's 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 misdirection, man. She does the dumbest thing and then has a very sly pick right below. I just it. need one good pick. It's Cassie at the bat. It's let the two, the first two strikes go by because I'm going to mm-hmm. fucking get a homer at the third one. <laughs> well, you guys, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is done. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Coming up next, we are going to be paying tribute to it still, though. We are giving away the Shieldies. We are here for the bullpen, you guys. And this week, we are giving away the awards, the Shieldies. And you two, you are the biggest fans of S.H.I.E.L.D., so we could go to nobody else besides you two. I'm just going to I'm gonna throw out the awards, and you both are going to make the most passionate speeches you can for why you think this person sh- should win this award. And based off just how passionate and how much work you put into this, I'm going to give that award to that person. So our first award that we are giving away for the night is Best Performance. Okay, so we're doing Oscar style where give them one good one, then all the bullshit, and then the important ones at the again? Yeah. Yeah, like any okay. good award show. We know what we're doing here. Well, and one Mike, of the you... awards for the Shieldies is Best Show, so that <laughs> yeah. that's a big one. Yeah. Uh, they're going to be crushed when Legion wins. <laughs> but Mike, do you want to start us off? Yeah, I, I think it's 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 the house that Phil Coulson built, and Clark Gregg showed throughout his years of how he changed, how Coulson changed and grew, but it was still always that solid heart. He was funny. He was, mentored everybody. He He could be stern. He did it all, and never felt like he was talking down because it was a sci-fi show like he acted his balls off every chance he got Mm, you would say a real father role that he really stepped up to yeah for sure yeah for sure without being lame like he was so funny excellent excellent point being made there ryan who do you think deserves best performance i love clark gregg and i love 
Phil Coulson. I loved, like, in the movies, like, his reaction to the MCU is sort of, like, what held our hand into getting into it, you know? Like, the fact that he was like, oh, Norse god with a hammer, okay? That, like, that helped all of America be like, yeah, I guess we're all going to accept this. But I have to go with Elizabeth Henstridge because nobody, nobody switches tones like she does. Like, nobody sells this dumbass bullshit, you know? Like, at the end of the day, uh, she's given 110%. Talk to the hand. I don't know any more cliches to say there, but like, there's there's this line that you have to ride where it's like, this is all weird stuff that's happening. What with the time travel and the superheroes and her quivering lips and her like uh, the tears coming out and her like finding love throughout all of this. I think that she is the MVP of the show. Mm-hmm. Yes, and because sorry, Cassie, because we don't have best episode, right? I'm going through. We don't have best episode. Uh, her role, I think season two or three, where she's on the moon alone, yeah. really helped seal that. James Franco had 127 hours. How about 722 hours, which is a classic episode of television. And, Mike, you that was like a very passionate speech, and I was ready to give it to you. But, like, you know, Ryan just came with, like, the correct answer, so it's hard not to mm. give that to him because it just hit so hard. And even you, like, sighed. I think you knew that Yeah, one. I was going to say, me sighing in the middle. Of the Always movie. watch the <laughs> opponent, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it didn't really help the case. So that one is going to Ryan. Our next award, and we'll, Ryan, we'll start with you this time. Best guest performance. Uh, best guest performance, I, I want to use some of these awards to like uh, bring up some things that we're, we're not going to talk about anymore. And in the beginning of season two, we were in the 40s, and Haley Atwell, uh, Agent Carter herself, was on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And anytime we can bring back Agent Carter, anytime we can talk about Haley Atwell, uh, a woman who I am not allowed to marry, uh, I think that we definitely should. I do want to give props, though, real quick. Uh, Haley Atwell is definitely my answer and should definitely win the award. But Neil McDonough was on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. He played uh, Dum Dum Dugan. And then also, for my last birthday, uh, called me on the phone. He's also uh, Damian Dark from the Arrowverse and wished me specifically a happy birthday. So, Neil McDonough, I love you forever, but it's Haley Atwell. <laughs> that is true. What, but, is that a lie, a Mike? None of it's a lie. You have a very good secretary who made that happen. Yeah. Uh, and I, yeah, his his message was touching. You let me watch it, and it was a it was a touching message. <laughs> the least I could do is let you watch it. Uh, you know what? Next I, I, next week we have time because all these shows are going off the air. Why don't we play Neil McDonough's yes. birthday message to me? Oh, oh, <laughs> I yeah. love that. Just in the middle. Yeah. Uh, my you... my best guest performance. I thought about Hallie Outwell, but she's the star of another one of our shows. Like, and so that felt like cheating somehow. And I, I thought somebody who in the in the middle who gets lost a lot, like. People remember Ghost Rider. People are like, there's different things you remember. But it's uh, Constance Zimmer, I think, crushes in every role she is. And she started out as an adversary. And then her and Coulson end up in a romantic relationship. And she just brings that tough, vulnerable side to everything she does. Uh, so, yeah, Zimmer is Rosalind Price. And if you want more Constance Zimmer, check out Unreal. Yeah. The first two seasons, at least, are very watchable. I was going to say, did she, was she on S.H.I.E.L.D. right when Unreal started to suck and you, you just needed your Zimmer fix? Yeah, I just need that sharp banged bob <laughs> in my life. You really brought it home with that haircut. And, like, Ryan, it was a solid choice, but you then again, like, had to get a little bit creepy saying you can't marry her. So, like, I just, I can't give it to you. It's going to go to Mike with Zimmer for best guest performance. Our next award is best villain. And, Mike, let's start with you. Uh, there's been a lot. And I, I think uh, one that grew and changed, and like the sign of a good villain, is you can see their side of things. And Ada, who was a robot 
programmed a certain way and then started to struggle against that they go wait i only do things because you said i'm programmed to love you fuck this shit like you really saw things from her side and then she which is a speech that you've heard before mike right yep (laughs) (laughs) from other people yeah uh and then she fell in love with Fitz, and she's basically a year old. So, like, every gross thing she did, it made sense. And that she brought up the evil in other people. And that she made some of the scariest things happen. Like, she turned Fitz into one of the worst villains of the show. And that's that's a good villain when you can turn one of your main characters into one of your creepiest villains. Mm, that's a very strong point. Ryan, who do you got for best villain? When I, go, when I think of villain, I want to do a 10 out of 10. As opposed to Mike's, who is just an eight out of ten. Savage. So I do, like, I'm going to go with Memorable, and I'm going with Grant Ward. Uh, just such a fucking uh, toe for the first two seasons or so. Just a, a fucking walking, talking toe. And then uh, he was the saboteur. He was the, he was the one. And I just remember thinking, like, uh, this is a big deal. Now the show is interesting. Now a lot of things make sense. Like, they were trying to cover up for why they were boring, and he was boring yeah. before, but uh, it worked, you know? Like, he and Daisy had hooked up. Like, this is... It was a big stab in the back. Yeah, it was It was from uh, being that vanilla problem with the show to turning him into, like, Dexter meets Angel. Like, <laughs> it was like, oh, you fucked the person, so now they're evil, and they had a bad childhood, so now they're evil. And then he just kept not going away. Like, versions of his character kept dying, and mm-hmm. they kept bringing him back. They're like, well, now he's a zombie alien thing. Deal with that. They didn't come back in the last three episodes, Cassie. I don't know if you noticed that. Mike didn't get a no. point for that. But, like, yeah, yeah, it kept coming back throughout other parts of the season series. When it when it didn't matter. Mm-hmm. But, uh, Mike, I was ready to give that to you because, like, a robot who could turn fits is a very strong point. But then uh, Ryan fighting the underdog going with Grant Ward, which is a boring name, but he called him a toe and he was savage. So, like, I'm going to give that to him. <laughs> Grant Ward is best villain. And, Mike, we'll start with you for worst villain now. There's so many bad, bad villains on the show, and most of them are forgettable, but one that I cannot forget because the show for a while tried to make him seem scary because he was the son of a real Marvel villain that at least if you know the comics, you know him, but baby Von Strucker, who was just like a freckled, whiny teenager. And a baby. Like like if Nathaniel Malick had none of his uh, chin fuzz or powers. Like, they're both equally whiny, but Baby Von Strucker never had talent or skills. So he'd just be like, my daddy was Hydra. You should listen to me now. <laughs> uh, and the show's like, oh, no, he's going to get them. Like, he sucked. Oh. He sounds like he sucks, and you know I hate kids. That's a very strong choice. Ryan, who do you got for worst villain? He had a clear pacifier, so it was basically a monocle. It looked like he put a monocle <laughs> in his mouth and said and sighed on it. Those Von Struckers. Uh, but mine is Lash. Uh, Oh, Lash yeah. was like, uh, all right, so we don't have the money for Hulk. So what if we made Hulk worse in every way? Uh, like, he's just going to be weaker, and he's just going to look so bad and never be scary. Um, May was in love with the Bruce Banner version of Lash, and so I guess that added intrigue, but it did not. Just We were supposed to be scared. And this was back where, like, everything's an inhuman. Just inhuman yeah. everything. And, man, Lash was terrible. And we didn't have enough time with Andrew and may to like make that betrayal matter though like and yeah oh no his evil dreadlocks like come on guys <laughs> evil dreadlocks <laughs> if that's oh. not the writing of a 65 year old white man i don't know what is evil dreadlocks it sounds like it sounds like that's the clear one i was ready mike you gave me a baby version and no matter what i was gonna go with that but like if you they put dreadlocks on him like that is for sure that point's going to ryan 100 percent. our next award and Mike, we'll start with you, is best action scene. 
No, when you start with me, I lose. Um, <laughs> you, uh, he's accusing you of being stupid, Cassie. <laughs> so not starting off well. <laughs> there's a couple of great ones, and I want I want to save one for after Ryan and I go just to give another shout out. But the, uh, season two is when Shield started to get good, uh, like as a show, and it's also when they were like, "Oh, we can do cool action," and it was uh, a one shot thing. And Daisy had just started to learn how to fight, and Daisy running through a warehouse uh, using guns and quake powers to take people out, and it was long as hell. Directed by Kevin oh, Tancharian, Fonzo Cuarón. Follows the cure on, uh, but yeah, one shot should not be two hours long. But give me three straight minutes of Daisy kicking ass, and the, the first time we really got to see her do that, so it was a cool character moment. And then just the hand to hand combat of it was awesome. And you said it was a one shot. Yeah, always rad as hell. Very strong. They followed her through a building while she was doing like gunfu plus quake powers. God. It was rad as hell. That does sound kick ass, Ryan. What do you got? I. I mean, it should be that, like, I remember, this is what's crazy, not only do I remember that scene, I remember the episode of Superhero Show Show that we did, because <laughs> it was it was a milestone, because, like, honestly, it was, like, the first time, if you, Cassie, if we showed it to you right now, you'd be like, okay, cool, I get it, that's, that's awesome, but I've seen that before, mm-hmm. um, but in the moment, for me and Mike, it was like, nobody's ever cared about this show before. Nobody's ever cared about directing this show or doing something inventive. And it was such, such a huge moment. But I watched it today. It's still awesome. I'm going to go with May on May. Uh, at a certain point, there's a... Uh, what are they called? LD... LMD? No. Uh, LDS? Latter-day Saint? No, you're right. Latter-day Saint. LMD. So we have May on May and in a hotel room fighting. And it's the same director that... Mike talked about, which is the co-creator's brother, I think? Yeah. Joss Whedon's brother is Jed Whedon, who's married to Melissa Tancharion. And and the big action director is Kevin Tancarion, or whatever his name is. And this is an amazing fight. And uh, the gift that became famous from this is May avoids May's weapon jumps up in the air over a desk, and then as landing, slams May's head into the desk. And it is, it is perfect. It is everything you need from an action scene. So I do think that the, as, much as, like, as important as the one-take scene was, I do think it was one-upped slightly after that. Well, I mean, Ryan, you did spend a large portion of your time talking about the other scene, so I think that does mean it's right. And you started using a whole bunch of real-life names, and I just zoned out during that, so I am going to give that one to Mike. <laughs> uh, our next... yeah, what's No, up? I want to give a quick shout-out. Uh, Bobby Morse, how we meet her on the show. We love hallway fights on this, uh, on Superhero Show Show, no matter what show's doing it. And Bobby Morse is uh, running down a hallway. We don't know who she is at. She has two billy clubs, and all these goons are trying to take out Simmons. And then Simmons is just the audience going, holy shit, while this girl she doesn't know is destroying waves and waves of faceless dudes. And it th- is awesome. There's something uh, very important about that scene that I will always remember, and it's her smile like mm-hmm. th- like she's th- loving it this is the show of like all these tough people who like i don't want to do this but i have to and i'm good at it and i'm but i'm gonna like grimace and the whole time she's like fuck yes <laughs> that's a great bonus but i'm glad you brought that up uh our next award you guys is gonna be best on-screen duo and ryan we'll start with you yeah we talked about this with the finale like it's gotta be colson and daisy they were the heart and soul of the show um like Colson was this mentor that you know saw in this like shitty uh beanie wearing uh over mascara wearing 
punk rock hacker <laughs> that she could be one of the best superheroes in a world of superheroes. And she bought in slowly, and he kept supporting her. And their sort of mentor, mentee, father, daughter, never sexual chemistry relationship is what the show is all about when you break it down. It's at the heart the of it. shows need. Very strong. All right, Mike, what do you got for best Mine is uh, just duo. referenced one of the two is Bobby Morse uh, and then her on-again, off-again husband, Nick Blood. Not even to say his character's name because his real name is Nick Blood. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they injected when – it was, again, when S.H.I.E.L.D. started to get good, they showed up and they're like, uh, we're kind of misfits. In that, like, S.H.I.E.L.D. is misfits, but they're all pretty white hat. They're all, like, good people. And they're like, we'll kill people and laugh. So deal with us on your team. They were a lot of fun. Again, they enjoyed their job. They did what they did. They almost got a spinoff, and it was dumb that they didn't. Uh, they, they, they just made the show delightful to watch. Do you know why they didn't? If you, if you go back and you look at the timeline, uh, they, they, di- they didn't go through with that spinoff because it was like two weeks before society decided to start looking at like Live Plus 7 and then realizing that uh... Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was actually a, an extremely popular show that was never watched when ABC aired it. It was only watched after. And if they had announced that, or if they had like planned that spinoff two weeks later, society would have changed and they would have been like, oh, this will be very popular. Dang <sighs> fools. Dang fools. Uh, well, Mike, you're working at a bit of a disadvantage on that one because I never got to experience those ones. I did, you know, Daisy and Coulson did hit for me even just like not knowing the show. So I'm going to give that to Daisy and Coulson, which Ryan for that one. Our next award, Mike, we will start with you, is comedic performance. <laughs> Yeah, there's there's a lot of comedic performances in these seven seasons, but there is one guy who showed up two years ago and his Zima loving, lemon loving, lemon loving. Uh, I've never seen myself on screen, I guess, and uh, he just stole our hearts and really did become one of the core, and that really sells why he's the best. Jeff Ward as Deke is amazing. Yeah, which I is different than Grant Ward. Let's be clear. Very different. Uh, I think it's probably the clear answer, but Ryan, do you have a different one? I don't know. Like, I think that everybody is capable, except for Mac, of course, of their own type of sense of humor. Um, although Mike in the fin- or Mac in the finale was, uh, he had Sousa went and like kissed Daisy and then walked back to Mac, and Mac's like impressive, like he's very business like. <laughs> that was okay, yeah. but still, Mac is horribly not funny. Um, everyone is kind of funny on the show, uh, but Deke is yeah, like it, it feels like. The actor, and I don't want to take anything from the writers, but the actor is like adding even more every week. Like he's making mm-hmm. sure that he is the funniest part. So yeah, Deacon Jeff Ward is definitely this. All right, I'm gonna give it to Mike because he was able to say it first because I gave it to him first. So <laughs> our next award is worst romantic couple. Ryan, I'll give it to you first. It's Daisy and Lincoln, and it, yeah, it's, boy, this it's is Daisy a fucking slam dunk. Right. Slam dunk, Cassie. Ryan. I'm so glad you went to me first because then. Mike would have gotten this point. Um, they tried so hard, and Lincoln is terrible. Like, Lincoln was the worst, and this is when, like, they were floundering with Daisy. Yeah. That, should we just move on? Yeah, that yeah, one. We should, he, he sucked. This lightning-powered nurse who's like, I just want to heal people, but my power is to hurt people. All right, he yeah. Sucked. That's for, sucked. It's clearly it. Ryan, you will get that point. So our next award is Most Easily Forgotten Member of S.H.I.E.L.D. Mike, we will start with you. I wanted to choose Shields had a lot of people like Piper's one of the members of Shield, but I don't count her. Uh, she's never been to core. It's one of the people they try to make core. It's fucking Lincoln. Lincoln is so forgettable. Well, we can't on Lincoln, especially on this show. We can't forget Piper because 
Like, you bring up Piper every third show. How she's yeah. been in all the shows that we've ever watched. You love – you're a Piper stan for sure. She's great. Piper stan for sure. I'm about to get a Piper tattoo. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, it's, it's got to be Lincoln. He has a forgettable face. He's forgettable arc. He sucked. All right. It for sure sounds like this guy sucks. Ryan, who do you got for this? I looked up a list of members of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And the one that stood out to me the least, I guess, because the award is Mac. It's fucking Mac. And like in 10 years from now, we're going to be like, do you remember Daisy and Yo-Yo? And we're going to list them all off. And then I feel like there was somebody else who was so important. And we just will not remember <laughs> Mac. That's uh, messed up. On Ew. Wikipedia, I don't know. This is probably how he got his nickname. I don't even remember this. It says, uh, good trucker. Like, he was good at driving a truck, and that's probably how he got his nickname, and that's how he became an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. <laughs> Mike. But you, so when you think back to remember, you're just going to see a floating axe shotgun. You're like, somebody held it. It was just there on the team. I'll probably give it to Deke, but I, I remember Piper, and I remember Lincoln, and I remember all those people way more than Mac. It's just Mac. Come on, Mac. Get a personality here. Mike, you played it right, and I feel like yours is more like realistic how it was, but Ryan was just such a sassy bitch to come after one of the main people, yeah. so I'm going to give that to Ryan. Our I understand. next award is best season, Ryan. Which one? What season you got? I think this is clear, Mike. I don't know if like this was hard for you, uh, yes. but uh, to go from Ghost Rider to Ada to Framework, and then in Framework, do my favorite thing, like a classic Marvel thing. Uh, we're gonna take everything you know and put it in a different world and turn it upside down and make good guys bad guys and blah blah blah. Season four is absolutely it. Season four is also the first season I think where it was like. We should probably tell stories, yes. And then yeah. there was like an eight-episode Ghost Rider arc, and then Ada for eight, and then Framework for eight, and it <laughs> we felt it. And it was the first time on the podcast where we were like, we don't just love S.H.I.E.L.D. because we feel like we should. This show is dope. Yeah, they did the modules, and, and that we wanted all of our shows to start doing that. And S.H.I.E.L.D. always had like 22 episodes, but we're like, yeah, why try to tell one 24-episode narrative? Please just give us, be a comic book. Give us little snippets and little stories. And then they followed up. This, I think it's season five, but because they laid the Ada groundwork in eight, Ghost Rider for eight, Ada came back for the framework. But in then season five, it was Ada versus Ghost Rider. And that would not have been a cool moment unless you got the whole season of different chunks of caring about these characters. Right. So, Mike, you got season four as well? Yes. Oh, man. All right. Ryan got to it first. We're going to give that to what Ryan, but it is season four's best season. And our final award, you guys, is best character arc. Mike, we will start with you. I, I think th this is a, a layup because the show designed Daisy to be that. She was sc super hacker sky, as Ryan pointed out, stupid beanie wearing too much mascara, like goth kid, hot topic. Uh, and her only superpower was super hacker. And then I think at one point that she said, my weakness is I mascara too much. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that they try to make that her catchphrase. And then to, to have her become part of the, the heart of the team and everybody, even like seasoned S.H.I.E.L.D. agents were like, no, what does Daisy think we should do? Uh, and then Chloe Bennett also, we learned to watch her act over seven years. This I think She sucked in the beginning. This, I think, is the most important part is that um, maybe they intended Daisy to be the greatest arc. Maybe they didn't. But Chloe Bennett, we watched her go from... Hey, I'm in a TV show. Isn't this crazy? Look at me. Very Italian. Mom. Dad. Look, I'm on a show on ABC. And then, like, her 
right before Malik realizes that like uh, the only way that Daisy's way out of the finale is to kill herself, even though the death meant nothing. And like the look on her eyes of like, yeah, that's the plan with the right mm-hmm. amount of tears and fierceness in her face. That is not season one, Chloe Bennett. No. We watched that over seven years happen. And so the answer is, you would think is absolutely Daisy and Chloe Bennett. But as far as best arc goes, I'm going to give it to Noah. So, all right. So it seems like you just kind of threw one out there. It's got to for sure be Daisy because even you were passionate about it. Best character art is going to Daisy. That one's Mike. And you guys, that is all the awards we have. Ryan, do you want to do a quick rundown of who we got for each award? Uh, yep. I just wrote down tally marks. Uh, oh, yeah. Give us but, the point totals. Uh, it was, that's all uh, that really matters. It was seven to four, me to Mike. What? Man. Interesting. The man who's ranking one. Let us know if that sounds right. Well, you guys, that was our tribute to Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. All these Shieldies awards are very real. They could come and pick them up. Uh, coming up next, we got another main event. We're going to be talking about Stargirl. the biggest surprise of the year maybe the biggest surprise of this podcast Stargirl and the young jsa defeat the injustice league and defeat not having families hug after unbraiding washing pat by calling him daddy courtney makes it to the big villain satellite and absolutely destroys it with her staff of all powers yolanda fucking murders brainwave rick puts solemn grundy into a putty coma and something happens to icicle can't remember who handled him and then hugs and then three different cliffhangers for season two taste buds i ask you this if the Stargirl finale was a contraption that oozes syrup at the top of the flight of stairs, would you say that it stuck the landing? And oh. uh, that is, yeah. Cassie, that's, that was yeah, it's stupid. A new, it's a new low for me. I really appreciate it's that. It's gross. Yeah. It's gross and stupid at the same time. <laughs> oh, man. Like, is this, like, when you came out of the show, you thought, like, oh, I need, I need to add more of this shit? <laughs> yeah, I said I started this off with saying there was going to be bullshit, and I just really channeled Ryan on that one. I think I fucking nailed it too. Uh, okay, yeah, I want to so, talk about this oozing. Did it stick the landing, you guys? I would say that I I prefer the last episode or the previous episode to this one, but that's always going to be the case, right? Like mm-hmm. the last one uh, built into this one, and this one was good. But it was Stargirl good, which means it was better than almost all TV on TV. Yeah, yeah it, it was a fun watch. Just don't look too closely because if you do start to look too closely, you'll be like, okay, they made a big deal about killing for Rick v. Yolanda, and that worked. Is He and he was pro-murder, and she was anti, and they flipped that. That's interesting. But then they all just laugh and hug when Mike straight up, when a 12-year-old straight up <laughs> Manslaughter, vehicular manslaughter is the main bad guy. All right, so I like typically, and I mean, I've I was raised on a lifetime of like sans a couple of punishers, um, villains kill and heroes don't, and I can't believe how many characters I've seen killed in this first season. Uh, (laughs) Most of them children, and if it's not a children die, a child dying, it's a child killing an adult. and Mike's murder of Icicle was played for laughs, and I guess we could see it coming because he was just like, I want to be part of the Justice Society. Am I part of the Justice Society now? But Yolanda, let's get to that Yolanda scene. Uh, Henry comes up and says, hey, I didn't die. And she's like, oh, my God, cool. And then says, where are your friends? And Yolanda says, wait, they're also your friends, which is not enough evidence to prove that it's brainwave in a costume and then rips his throat out and watches him die. Yeah. 
she, like Courtney comes into the room. Like I think it's before that actually, before Courtney comes in, she straight up is just like, I watched Henry die, I watched your son die, and now I'm gonna watch you die. Like that was some dark shit. Boss. That was unreal. And it is it's like such a I've never seen Oliver Queen do something like this. Yes. Oliver Queen. And it's this weird balance between like super cheesy, like so this uh like uh, what is it, this brain control weapon that pops up is, like, underneath the football field. Like, that's that cheesy shit that I love. But then you get, like, mm-hmm. these dark moments, and it's just so insane. They brought both aspects fully in this finale. I mean, the big question question is, is uh, in the future, in season two, do we have to spend half of each episode dealing with the fact that Yolanda is a, like, budding serial killer? Or do we love Stargirl because it motors and the plot moves and they just do a bunch of shit which is not like most of the shows that we watch yeah it'll, it'll probably motor because if they're going to go the therapy route then yes Londa, yolanda and mike both need it for very different reasons <laughs> mike, <laughs> mike needs it for some very different reasons well yeah i mean i would like a therapist to come in and say hey mike you're not a 47 year old new jersey gangster you don't need to talk <laughs> like that hey i'm a part of the team now <laughs> Bafongu. it's me and the dog uh, but did you guys, like, so before we get to, like, all those end scenes, like, we did have a straight-up battle between Tiny JSA and the Injustice League. And I just want to know, like, speaking of this bounce between Cheesy, like, did this battle work for you? Because it was, like, we always knew that they were obviously going to win. But, like, in reality, like, how do we feel about kids defeating this super powerful group? It is that they defeated most of them. It. I hope to learn that ju- the original Justice Society sucked. Mm-hmm. Because, or maybe it's that the Justice, the IG... IJSA, the Injustice Society, was split up throughout this season and all had their own motives, and that's why they most of them died or went away. And in the opening scene to the whole series, they were fully together. And so if they had just worked together, gosh darn it, they could have taken out these children. Yeah, if I could uh, if I could bring up sports real quick, this is why like the Yankees will go out and they will hire all these high-priced players who all play for their own motivations, and they always get beat by these teams of kids who grew up together. And learned how to play together. And I think that's the point, right? Is that mm-hmm. if you're all mercenaries, if you don't all believe in the same thing, or if, more importantly, you don't believe in each other, then it's not going to work, and you can get defeated by kids. Did right. this episode pull it off? I'm going to say mostly. I'm going to say definitely enough, you know? Yeah, I think this season pulled it off. I don't know if this episode right. pulled it off. But there was, like, I, I did enjoy the fight between the two, even though, like, it was cheesy. It did have the epic, like, so I want to know, like, how it stacked up against that opening scene for you guys. Because, like, we were amazed by that. But I think just the fact that CW could pull this off. But then we also did have, like, these kids with the same, like, Civil War standoff where they come together and, like, mm. clash against each other. Like, it still was a pretty badass fight. I'm sorry, did you say Civil War or Civil War? You know what? Who's to say? <laughs> uh the other thing, too, that uh, happened is that uh, everybody everybody that's bad is just on their own and doing whatever they can. And everybody who's good keeps helping each other, mm-hmm. even if it puts them in danger. And it reminds me of sort of like the economy that we have right now, which is we're all poor, but we all still like pay a bunch of GoFundMe for people who are poorer than we are. And maybe that's why we're poor is because we keep like put yourself in danger to save the other person is basically what this like kid generation is about. And, and yeah, this is definitely uh, connected to what's going on because at a certain point, Courtney says to Icicle, you can never save America. You're too filled with hate. Mm-hmm. So that might be talking to somebody in the real world directly. <laughs> a little pointed. But I guess, so, you know, like, 
their fighting scenes were pretty good. It was uh, where I think it really, this show shines, is just the character moments. And obviously, we had some of the greatest moments with Port, uh, Courtney and Pat, like straight up like mm-hmm. four minutes into this with Courtney straight up just saying like, you're my dad. I've Every time you're there, you've been there for me. And holy hell, the show, yeah. that's where the show shines. And see, I get that like, oh, I'm not going to watch Stargirl fan because it doesn't think about what this science would be like. And if they were all brainwashed, then there's no way that that would work. I'm going to keep watching that show because everyone's brainwashed. And Courtney says to Pat, you're my real dad. And it breaks him out of his brainwash. And I'm just screaming. I'm screaming in delight about this TV show. I'm screaming in pain about my lack of real dad. I'm doing it all at the same time, guys. And and I like the bookends because we get that and it shakes Pat out of it. And then she gives him the gift that she's been carrying around her whole life that she made for her real dad. And she finally gives it to him. The very shittily made world's greatest dad mug it's still though like on top of all of it is pat is a dad like if pat if pat could not procreate and now he finally has the daughter he always wanted or the child he's always wanted that'd be one thing but he consistently ignores mike in order to make courtney (laughs) feel like his daughter and i love it because mike sucks yeah, and it's how we got a murderer on our hands, honestly. It's like, <laughs> drove him what to if that the, point. What if the cops drove up at the very end and just arrested Mike <laughs> and took him to prison for murder? And they all just <laughs> hug each other and wave. as they Talk about murders. It's such a small moment, but this uh, episode opened with uh, the tuba kid with his tuba covered in blood. Uh-huh. And adults running like, what, ha- what, what, what happened? He went, very seriously, he called me. Tuba turn. <laughs> and then wasn't there that look that we gave last week of like so <laughs> like yeah. Yeah. and th- and they were like what do you think your mom was saying <laughs> is she told me to do this <laughs> but yet but what we're doing is the perfect thing which is these kids defeated the adult isa can they defeat mm-hmm. the child isa that is clearly forming right like right. there's going to be a villain called tuba turd next season <laughs> guys no i'm the tuber stop saying tuba turd that i mean i feel like that a uh, tuba mouthpiece fits directly into your butt while you're pooping and that is his superpower he's gonna sh- he's gonna shoot poop on everyone got it you know what that would be so great but i guess while we're speaking of like possible future villains for the show i just wanted to check in with you guys because at the end we got a glimpse of like a couple new villains coming up and i just want to know like what do you guys know because we had cindy finding eclipso so, like, do you guys know anything about this little guy in a gym? I think he's, like, a genie. Like, okay. he, he's, like, a magical being stuck in a gem. And I they, I did not know this before because what I like about the show is they're like, uh, who exists but nobody really likes? We'll take them. Uh, it's the weirdest thing. Uh, it's the biggest difference between watching Marvel shows and DC shows. You know, like, Marvel shows, I'm, like, picking out every Easter egg and bitching about how it's not exactly like what I remember. And DC shows, when they introduce somebody as like as iconic as Eclipso, I'm like, what does that mean? Yeah. Who knows? <laughs> well, it's it's because you are a Marvel kid growing up, right? Like, you appreciate what DC does from afar, which means we can actually enjoy these shows more. Uh, which I'm sure there's a life lesson in there we'll never learn. Uh, but yeah, he's like a Jin that uh, possesses whoever has his gem and like makes them even more powerful. Oh, for sure. So it's looking like we'll probably have like half adult, half kid in Justice League team up, where there's like. I think like a pretty even number because we went back and there was like Pat was saying like everybody always they always come up with a story and then we go to like the dude in the shadows for the Injustice League and everything. The shade. Yeah. Yeah. The shade. Right. And and the other thing too is that like last week we were talking about hey guys keep in mind that uh, Sin and Solomon are still behind bars and are going to fuck with the finale. And I love what they did which is like they let 
Rick beat Solomon Grundy up to like uh you know like till he's almost dead but not kill him and now we're done with that guy and then keep Cindy on the sidelines so that now she can be she's the one I'm scared of I don't know who fucking Shade and Eclipso are but right. Cindy as like the main yes. bad guy of season two is what is important because she came out and killed her dad she's why the Dragon King is no longer around Dude, we- and then went. Peace. We gotta talk about it because it's unreal. We like I wanted this moment for her, but now we don't have the freak that is the Dragon King like coming in. Like it's the most bittersweet moment. Like I did absolutely cheer when she killed her dad because she like that was deserved. But then also we don't get this little lizard man and all the fucked up shit he says. It does suck, but I have to give it up to daughters who are like, I have heard my dad say I'm going to poison you now just like I did when you're a baby one too many times and put a <laughs> fucking sword through the middle of them. Yeah, it's deserved for sure. Yeah, it, I'm definitely going to miss Dragon King and Sportsmaster and Tigress, which I would not have expected. But like that they cleared the board. I'm like, oh, but they were fun in such different ways. Yeah, that's what's crazy is like you those were probably my favorite villains for sure. And now we don't get them, but we do. And like Solomon Grundy, I do want to see how you guys feel about like this version of Solomon Grundy. Like, did he live up to, like, your standards? Because they hyped him up for so long, you know? And now we got, like, this battle. We did. And when he finally came out of the cage, uh, I will remind you guys of Spider-Man 3. It was full emo bangs covering one eye, (laughs) stepping around, walking around in, like, this dance strut, saying, ah, Solomon Grundy. What made him better, I think, is if he put a a gas station attendant's hat on and the heroes didn't recognize him. I think that's my Solomon Grundy. Mm -hmm. And then he took it off and they're like, wait, that's Solomon. If that happened a few times, I would have liked it more. Yeah. That's what is like, I was, that was the Grundy I was expecting. And I didn't know that was now the Grundy in my heart, but like, that's the only one I could take. And they (laughs) did except like they were close with the emo hair, but it wasn't fully there. Cassie, Uh, you should write a DC based uh, Valentine's for children. Like you're the Solomon (laughs) Grundy of my heart is a good one. I think that I think that we can get uh, Doctor Snakeskin back if they realize how much that I and we love combinations of like Doctor Doom and Cobra Commander. Just the just the whole like says absurdly confident things for no reason. It's like the villainous version of a Will Ferrell character. We can we can always get that back. Yeah, yeah, we need it too. Uh, you know, so the kids got a whole bunch of like hero moments in this, but we also got the adults got some hero moments, and we got to talk about when um, Icicle brought Barb up to the rooftop to, like, show him his plan. Because Barb got, like, a little hero moment in there for calling him out for being a piece of shit and straight up saying, like, this dude has her, like, on the top of a building and is like, your wife would be horrified with who you came. Like, that's the balls. I'm glad they gave her that. Yeah, that that was an awesome moment that she's just brave, even though she's powerless. And he screamed, you don't know my wife, but then hugged her. He's still yeah. trying to hook up, yeah. like, this whole time. Also... Just the most realistic portrayal of a white dude I've seen on TV in a long time. Just, I'm going to scream at you my wants and needs and then hug right now, please, baby. Like, (laughs) you'll be with me. But no, it was like, this episode made it definitely clear that, like, he thought that Barb was going to be the queen of his icicle empire. And she was like, what the fuck, dude? And then Pat got there and that led us to Pat's greatest line in TV history. But did this work for you guys or did you roll your eyes? No, I loved it, man. Worked 100%. So, uh, like, high school's like, how are you going to defeat me? Fuck you. You're, uh, I'm more power. You don't have any powers, Luke Wilson. You don't even have your robot. How are you going to defeat me? And he says, our daughter. And then Stargirl beats him up. God, he's just, what he used our daughter. And he's just such a proud dad already. Love that. Like, he's just like, my daughter kicks ass. So uh, she's going to kick your ass. It was beautiful. And uh, what do you got, Mike? Our- 
are you guys excited? So yeah, like you said, uh, Cassie, there's three cliffhangers. The very, I think, final one is uh, Sylvester Pemberton, aka Starman, aka Joel McHale, is alive and looking for Pat. Are you guys excited for his level of sarcasm entering the show? It's a little weird because if your power was creating like cold shit, but you were also Irish, wouldn't your name be McHale anyway? Like, is that what he's going to create? Is McHale? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I'm so Irish glad I, I let him talk first. It was totally worth it. Why don't you go, Cassie? Why don't you? Why don't you talk? <laughs> but like, I don't know. Like, normally, like I love. I would have loved. Like when this started with Joel McHale, I was super excited to see him on it. But now I just love like the group that we have right now. So I'm like nervous to bring in this character who is just like such a big character. Like I normally would be all on board, but I'm a little nervous about it. It's also one of my favorite games while watching TV is not just being enveloped into the story, but saying like. Joel McHale is a big name. Too big for this? I don't know. Looking at his career right this minute, I think he might be starring in Stargirl Season 2. Yeah, Yeah, if Luke Wilson's here and fine, Joel McHale has never reached Luke Wilson heights. Oh, man. And the fucking, the charm fest, like, Luke Wilson, Joel McHale conversations that we're going to have in the kitchen soon, guys. This is going to be awesome. Yeah, them just, like, telling stories about growing up to each other to Barbara and Courtney while they roll their eyes. But Joel McHale and Luke Wilson love it. I'm very excited to see that. I can't wait for the scene where they're talking to each other, and then they look into the camera and lift up their shirts, and they say, so, Ryan, you say that you're not gay? Oh, man. This is going to be a crazy season for me. There's a lot of discoveries being made this season. I'm super excited. I'm in for the next one. Also, I got to mention it because the show is so perfect. The end credit scene was the full version of Oombop when the opener had the acoustic oh, yes. version of Oombop. <laughs> this show is fucking perfect. I love it so much. Uh, is there any last things you guys want to say about this season of Stargirl? We got to say goodbye to it. I just, if you, uh, if you watch some CW shows and like uh, Flash is not HBO enough for you or Arrow seems boring, I really do think that like this is the show that. We can like it's probably in the middle of everybody's Venn diagram, you know. Like everybody can go check out Star Girl. Do it in a weekend. We had to do it over thirteen weeks, but very soon you're going to be able to do it in like a day. Do it, dude! It's really yeah, fucking awesome. It's awesome. It's so good. Oh, uh, well, guys, that is all the time we have coming up next. We're going to go to the poll list to talk about all the other shows we watched this week. The first show starting it off is Winona Earp. On this week's episode of Winona Earp, purgatory has changed a bit as there is a new sheriff and a new magistrate who is running things a bit differently. Winona is arrested immediately for the murder of Nedley and is then forced to compete in a chili cook-off for her freedom. She wins and then is used as bait to feed a monster that Doc has been fighting the entire episode. The Earp team defeats the monster with super soakers, and the monster is Sheriff Nedley. Taste buds, I ask you this. Did I make any of that up? Not a single part. <laughs> you didn't even talk about how there's kombucha in those super soakers. Always, yeah, always kombucha in the super <laughs> soakers, because that burns the monster hair and soul out of the monster to produce a naked Nedley. And what is this, like the fourth time that Winona has seen Nedley's penis? Yeah, and she hates it every time. Uh, one of the best moments of the episode is that Winona's tied up because she's bait and watching her friends uh fight this monster this ogre uh with kombucha 
and ropes and as she, they might lose and she might die and she's just laughing and goes idiots yeah and you're like that's why i love this fucking show all right so let's get to that because i think that is the heart of this episode um winona's tied up and it goes into slow motion and like instead of saying oh my god there's a monster and i was almost eaten and by the way in town there's monsters government wise that i have to fight i'm just gonna enjoy this family moment mike uh-huh. is that is that why this show exists to watch these family yes. moments through winona's eyes isn't that why, at least for us, all these shows exist? <laughs> I think it it's is. Just, why this podcast exists? Just about, it's just found families, man. We are one, and that's what we like to watch. Somebody should definitely write like a academic think piece all about why our generation wants and needs found families, because we don't have real families. We don't have church. We don't have Elks Lodges. Like, so we just have these <laughs> f- fucked up groups of friends that are our life. We have really Melody Scrafano. <laughs> yes who directed this episode oh shit i didn't notice that yeah yeah uh, i got very excited i also like talking about uh found family moments is the minute he finds why nona is arrested doc just takes off sprinting <laughs> like he's like barely in the scene and just takes off that's a hero i did not mention the fact that what's her name um the karen of the show is a burlesque mercedes? mercedes is a burlesque stripper at doc holiday's former bar mm. No, not at the former bar, at the demon bar at the edge of town. The demon bar at the edge of town. have to be a demon to go in. Right. And she's a really, like, they're demons. You would expect her to be good at what she does, and she is not. So she's doing it to pretend to be a vampire so she can survive. Uh, Is bad at singing, is bad at dancing, is bad at burlesque. The Mercedes way. That didn't stop us from trying it, though, as a new career. Burlesquing? Yeah, me and you. No. I thought we got pretty far. Uh, But yeah, no, what it's uh, Nedley's daughter is now running. Doc's old bar, and it's like a health club. Can I... Do you remember her? No. Me neither. She seemed very important in this episode. And Winona and Waverly are like, no, Nedley's daughter, we're best friends. I did not remember her at all. I think comics just do that sometimes, and so do comic book shows. I don't think we've ever met Charlotte Nedley, or whatever her name is. And But she was about to string up Winona because she thinks maybe... She killed her dad. And then at the end, she tries to escape town, which is a good idea. I would also as well. Please, people in horror or horror-adjacent pop culture, leave town, please. Yes. I don't understand it. Um, And then the person who checks her license at the edge of that is Jeremy, who now has a normal job and is just like an upstanding citizen, which means masculine and not all like Jeremy was. No, it's – and Hot at one point is like, oh, Jeremy's pretty busy with his job, like – so we saw some, I think that was last episode, so we knew something was up, and it is that he is now full black badge, instead of like the rogue black badge. I see. Demons all came here, so the black badge have trapped everybody. Humans can go in and out. The demons are trapped in there. Um, and like, all things like this, why wouldn't every human just leave that? Right. Because that's my town, gosh darn it. Uh, that's my town called Purgatory. I'm going to stay <laughs> in Purgatory. <laughs> well, you guys, uh, Ryan, we'll start with you. Do you got a moment of the week? Okay, so this is a little uh, this a lot of runway here, but um, Waverly is so upset that uh, the, in the chili cook-off, Winona made it non-vegan, and uh, she put a can of anchovies in it, and then the magistrate, who was a woman, uh, uses her t-shirt cannon to shoot a t-shirt right at them, and then Winona says, uh, "I'm going to shove that thing up her canned anchovies," and that is the best. <laughs> Name for a vagina I have ever heard in my entire <laughs> life. Oh, that's a game changer. Uh, yeah, Mike, what's your moment of the week? Th- there are so many good Winona lines. Uh, 
a minor one was not today seitan because that's the meat that Waverly wanted to put in their chili. <laughs> and, uh, but it has to be the sheriff talks about what a backlog he has of work, the new sheriff. And Winona, apropos of nothing, says, apparently I haven't pooped in 18 months, so I have quite the backlog as well. <laughs> and I was like, that Man, got me. The quotes that you guys say from the show is just so unreal. I can't believe this exists. It's The quotes, it's like, unheard of. the faces that me and Mike have when we talk about Winona as compared yeah. to when we talk about our wives are incredibly different. <laughs> Well, maybe uh, if they were quippier. <laughs> they got to live up to it. It's high standards. You guys should be watching Winona Earp. It's Fridays on Sci-Fi. Our next show of the week is Umbrella Academy. On episode two and three of Umbrella Academy, the crew are all putting themselves in the historic events of the 60s. As Allison leads a sit-in, and Diego and number five run into the time travel situation where you have to stop your dad from killing JFK. Events like these are slowly bringing the group together as Allison's, hu- Allison's husband meets Claus in jail, Diego storms his dad's creepy business with number five, Vanya taps into her powers after being attacked by the pasty time force, which puts her on number five's radar, and Luther gets his heart broken after his boss finds where Allison lives, and he learns of her kick-ass life. Taste friends, I ask you, does it seem like Luther is going to be the weakest character this season? No, it does not, Cassie, and how dare you, oh. and it's because oh, I'm he- so sorry. He brings uh, treats over to uh, <laughs> Allison's house and then uh, asks the husband, but when he le- learns that Allison is married, uh, says, ask the husband, can I eat the treats I brought? And then just forces <laughs> cookies down his Shuts throat. Them, them. <laughs> yeah. What this show is doing very well, because Luther is the Cyclops type, like the boring Boy Scout, mm-hmm. is showing that nobody is that, that it's always just a facade and what, like, a broken person they are underneath that. So it's I, very quietly funny. Yeah, and I love the whole thing of, like, I will say the words, I'm okay. I will say those words. But everything inside and everything outside shows that I'm not. <laughs> and uh, Cliff, is that is that Allison's husband's name? Uh, Raymond. Cliff Chestnut. Raymond Chestnut. Uh, he is a little weirded out when he finds out the guru Klaus was her brother, mm-hmm. but he, the way Luther talks about Allison, even though he's like, Oh, well, I'm her brother. He's like, no, there's some game of thronesiness going on here. Like yeah. he really doesn't like the fact that Luther is related. Yeah, I get that. But then also look at it from Raymond's standpoint, uh, Raymond married a black girl. And then years later, uh, met the two weirdest white dudes he has ever met in his entire life <laughs> in two different days. And then Allison said about both of them, oh, those are my brothers. That I, yes. I think that might fucking throw you upside down. That's definitely part of it for sure. But he won't even, like, they're in the middle of the sit and he won't even talk to Allison like, about it. He's just like, no, do not grab my hand. Yeah, absolutely not. But they do have, like, Luther straight up, like, you saw his heart. Like, he almost burst into tears when he saw their wedding photo. Like, it was very clear. Like, yeah. there was no good way to react to that. And this, he's a big old white dude. That's a lot. That's a half monkey man in there. And <laughs> so. I love, like, the whole in the same driveway or in the same alleyway, but years apart. But they're all close together. I, I want them be- to be back together, and I want the story to move forward. But the whole, like, right now in these two episodes about how they're barely missing and hitting each other, that is, like, yeah. that's what the show has going for it, right? It is, like, uh, Allison sees a guy in the jail that has the Hello Goodbye tattoos, yeah. and she's like, oh, Klaus. And then they meet in the pool, and they're all barely getting to each other. Right. And that was really heartwarming, and I, I can't remember great Allison Klaus moments from season one, mm. but what the show is doing really well this season is – not with flashbacks, but showing us their history and how they re- respond to each other and how excited those two 
were to see each other again, I, I thought they pulled off so well. Also, the yeah. first season was so long ago and everybody binged it that if you have a big Allison Kloss moment, which is greater than even an Allison Cross moment, and I do love her albums, uh, you're just going to be like, oh, that probably happened and I forgot. You know, like you can get away with so much if you just released TV a long time ago and everybody forgot about it. <laughs> I want to give a shout out to the guy. He, he's not doing much yet, but he's a character actor who shows up in so much stuff. He normally plays like a scrawny white supremacist, but he's the one who's been Kevin Rankin. Every, Kevin Rankin. He, this guy is great, and I'm so glad for him. For once, he's not playing a Nazi. Good for you, <laughs> Kevin Rankin. Uh, no conspiracy he, He's the guy theories. who like took photos of, yeah, the conspiracy theories. And he's, he's great. He, he's very great at having those little funny moments like making a tuna jello gross thing for lila and diego to eat being Uh, very sad when they're fucking instead and just so so focused on that jello monstrosity that he's creating (laughs) like he just needs peace and quiet so he can make this the best treat he can it is uh beautiful but uh ryan you were talking about how everyone's just like kind of like barely interacting with each other so i did want to check in with you because you said like you were going to be out depending on when they brought them all together but you're fine with how they're handling this (laughs) such a good question cassie i think i'm close I don't know. It depends on Smallville. Shit. It depends on like what we're doing next week. We haven't revealed that yet. Uh, Spoiler. Uh, but yeah, I sort of do want to bail. I'm enjoying it, and I like the characters, but I don't know. I kind of just like at some point, you guys are gonna make me watch the finale, and like that's gonna be mm-hmm. what we're gonna talk about at the like in some podcast. And I bet I'll be fine if I just watch that finale and nothing else. You're not intrigued that the handler is still alive and that Lila is actually her daughter as a mole? I called that a long time ago. I don't care. Oh, my God. You called that it was her daughter? Uh, yeah, I called that it was Kate Walsh's daughter. We didn't even talk That's about weird. the fact that Pogo is back. Pogo Ooh, is here. Baby. Pogo is killing people, even though Dude. they're going to raise, like, uh, I'm going to fight number five, even though, even though I'm going to raise him in the future, and then I'm going to go, like, in an alley and wait for my handler to whistle and then I'm going to hold his hand as I walk down an alley. <laughs> my God, guys. All right, I'm back in. I'm totally watching every episode. If baby Pogo jumped down from like a little roof to meet up with him. Like, I could watch a whole series of young, like, fucked up dad and his little baby monkey just like doing crimes. Like, that is just, a whole nother thing I'd be into. I don't know what you guys' lives are like right now, but I just remember thinking, oh, Pogo's dead. I'm never going to watch this show again. Nothing can bring me. And then now there's Baby Pogo. Oh, my God. Baby Pogo. And he's a straight murderer. Oh, yeah. Did we talk about on air last week that a lot of the internet doesn't like Pogo Mm -hmm. because they're fucking morons? I'm sorry, what? Mm -hmm. How do you not like him? I think that was off air. Oh, that might have been a text feed, Mike. (laughs) (laughs) We need to bring it on air to let anybody know who thought Pogo was the worst part of the show last season. You are wrong, and you don't deserve Pogo. Pogo's the greatest, and I can't wait to have more of him. I hope there's way more. But um, I guess what else can we check in on here? There was something I wanted to ask you guys. Uh, Well, let me, Cassie, while you're doing that, let's get back to Kate Walsh. Uh, I really, I, I'm, I'm trying to move on from the first season, and it feels like all of the plot points are the same, and then Kate Walsh came back. Like, And I don't hate Kate Walsh or the character, but don't you guys roll your eyes a little bit? Like, Are we doing this all again? You're right. I and I love the like, fact that she made a kid pee, but still, Mike. like, Yeah, that was great. Uh, that it, it feels like it, this is the commentary as a postmodern X-Men story is that all comics are just the same story over and over again. So are they very purposefully doing that? Mm. And it'll be interesting to see if they have something to say about that instead of just like, see, we know. I think that we're right on the line of you being able to write that 
50-page essay of how this is commentary on how it's all just the same shit over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But there is, like, so for me, you know, I didn't call that switch up where um, Bacon Girl, forgot her name, is her daughter. So now, like, I wasn't excited to see uh, her back, but, like, I was always excited for Bacon Girl's character because I felt like she helped out Diego a lot. But then now we have, um, like, this whole other twist with her where she's actually, like, this double agent. So it at least got me at least a little interested in that storyline. And I guess I'll be clear. I thought that there was a chance that Lily... Lila, Lila uh, may not be telling 100% of the truth, which basically yeah. means that I guess that Kate Walsh would be back and Kate <laughs> Walsh would be her mom. If we're, if we're, if <laughs> we're going to be clear. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I see how it was all there. Ryan, are you really bailing because uh, Bacon Girl clearly has a foot fetish thing when she was painting that dude's toenails while he was doing Oh, okay. So, was... yeah, let's get to that <laughs> shit. Kevin Rankin is a normal person without superpowers. So what they do is they tie him up to a chair and literally fucking forget about him. He's tied to that chair for like three or four days, <laughs> probably pissing in his pants as if Kate Walsh just came up and talked to him. And the only time we interact him, uh, interact with him, somebody comes up and says, like, is he still tied up? <laughs> yeah. Is that fucked? Should we do? Should we not do that? The only time is when he is forced to put his foot in the girl's lap. Shoes are taken off. He has no control over any of this, and she is touching his foot and painting his goddamn toenails. And I am Kevin ranking this at the very lowest part of my list of things I want to see on TV. <laughs> Ryan out. He has said it all. And that wasn't CGI. That actress was literally touching that actor's feet the entire time during possibly COVID. This is may of what started COVID. If it wasn't for that goddamn monkey running around, probably like stabbing COVID diseases into people's bodies. Oh, good, Ryan. I'm glad you got that all out. That was definitely the worst moment. But Mike, do you have a moment of the week? Uh, yeah, I have two. A quick one is uh, five thinks about Diego the way we do because he was describing Diego to somebody else. He's like, imagine Batman, then aim lower. <laughs> and I was like, thank you, show, for also understanding how much Diego sucks. That's when they got uh, then, some season two writers to comment on season one. Yeah. And then the other is Pogo and Hargreaves attacking five and Diego. Mm-hmm. It was both uh, cool and baby Pogo rules. So it has to be that. Baby Pogo for life. Ryan, your moment of the week. Uh, uh, okay, I, I guess my moment of the week is number five's face. Because this is like, this is a classic story. This is what we've all done with our parents. Number five's face when he sees Pogo. Oh my God, Pogo's back. And also, like, Pogo is borderline number five's dad. Uh, yeah. And then Pogo just, like, stabs him in the throat. And that is, that, <laughs> that is father-son relationships right there in a nutshell. Yeah. I mean, Did we have too sure. much doggy or uh, daddy talk on this show tonight? Was it Never. too much Never. daddy? They didn't have enough. They know what they're getting into. We have an average. We got to uphold. But there was like, that was clearly the moment because he, he like, little Pogo plays up like being this innocent little monkey and it draws him in and then he just stabs him. It's unreal. <laughs> little but Pogo. Other, oh, Pogo. Uh, my other moment of the week is just when that like fish boss dude, who is the, I don't remember him from last season, but when he starts, oh, he's, smo- new. he's new. So seeing yeah. that dude, and then also once he starts smoking and then it goes to the fish in his tank and he blows little ring bubbles, like, fuck, <laughs> I got me. It was good. Hey, Cassie, uh, let's give yourself some more respect as a TV watcher that if you don't remember the fish aquarium, fish tank dude <laughs> from the first season, he probably wasn't there. I'm just so broken like by all these shows I don't know like maybe I did see that there's a monkey who murders like I don't know what's gonna be here (laughs) and he's the greatest thing ever respect him 
Umbrella Academy is on Netflix. You can watch it whenever, but you should be watching Two by Two with us. That is it, you guys. That is all we have for the poll list. We've done it. It's the end of the show. So, Mike, it is time for you to tell us about some websites. Oh, I wasn't prepared for this. No, no. I guess off the top of my head, you should go to yourpopfilter.com. It's where everything we do lives. You'll enjoy it if you enjoyed any of this. Throw in a slash Amazon at the end of that because uh, Amazon apparently is not slowing down even though the rest of the post office is under attack. And you'll actually get your things from Amazon on time and it will help us a little. Uh, go to patreon.com slash yourpopfilter. Pick a tier. Give us some cash. Get some cool shit. And uh, help us fund this little outfit. Yeah. Also, this week we had a on our Patreon. I, you, I don't know if you guys know this, listeners. Mike and Ryan are real good friends. And I put them to the test just to see how good of friends they were. So you get that content over on our Patreon. And then, Ryan, can you tell us about the other shows? We have so many other shows. So make sure that you're also checking out Movie of the Year, where uh, me and Mike go head-to-head to decide what is the single greatest movie of any given year. Right now we're doing 1985. And then pretty soon we're doing something else. I don't think I'm allowed to announce it yet. People are very. I'll just do it. People are very nervous, but I will tell you this: it's a year that is definitely a space odyssey. And then, if you want way less of me and Mike, but way more of Cassie, then uh, subscribe, rate, and review Unnatural Twenties, where Cassie and two different people that Mike and I don't talk to anymore, and they know why. They know what they did. Uh, they go through their twenties with the roll of a dice and try to figure out what life is all about. Please rate, review, and subscribe to all of those shows. Please, indeed. And please, Mike, can you tell us about social media? At Your Pop Filter, on Twitter, on Instagram. End of list. That's it. It's so simple. We made that one easy for you guys. We also got an easy email. It's contact at Your Pop Filter. If you don't think Pogo's the best, you can email us, and we will email you back letting you know you're a damn fool. But go ahead and email us. It's contact at Your Pop Filter. Hold on. What is the... Is the most vile email address you can have easy email? You just said easy email. (laughs) And sure, he died of AIDS, but fuck, the way that he could talk about a girl's vagina is, or rap about a girl's vagina, like, it's beyond reproach. Sorry, Cassie, you wanted to keep going? I apologize. uh, Yeah, I was going to talk about next week where we are not talking about any of that at all. We will probably talk about Pogo, though. (laughs) We are going to be talking about new episodes of Winona Earp and the Umbrella Academy, but who cares because the superhero show show is doing Smallville. And also, we got uh, Neil McDonough's birthday message to me is featured in the next episode. Two months later, the embargo is lifted. We can have Neil... (laughs) on here i'm so pumped smallville uh got me through high school and i'm very excited for the two of you to watch it and to why i haven't watched it in a decade to see how, how it holds up but i don't think anything we watch now would exist without smallville's success i can't wait for me and cassie to like sort of like it and then you to hate it mm-hmm. yeah that'd be hilarious yeah so next week be sure to tune in because mike's gonna yell at us he's gonna hate us we will no longer be friends after this <laughs> Uh, enjoy it while it lasts for Mike I'm Ryan for Ryan I am Mike and for me I am me bye everyone <laughs>